0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics.
1: Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I am so excited for Saturday. Cannot wait for Georgia. And UAB, rare night game for us here between the Hedges and a chance to see the incredible atmosphere that Georgia fans are capable of producing there at Sanford Stadium. I was excited about this already but something that UAB coach Trent Dilfer has said has made me even more excited for I think what we're about to experience on Saturday. Dilfer who I think is kind of a cool figure and I think it's a little bit of an unorthodox hire by UAB. Dilfer is coached in high school obviously he's a former Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens former kind of I guess you call him head coach of the Elite 11 I believe that's what his title was kind of the leader of that organization the event involving the top high school quarterbacks. So Dilfer's got an interesting football resume now a coach here at the uh division 1 level the the uh FBS level with UAB and Dilfer speaking to his reporters this week was asked hey Trent you've played in a lot of big time environments in college football you've seen a lot of stuff and Dilfer wanted to make it known that even though he's had a certainly long list of sporting accomplishments and had a long life in the sporting world in terms of what he believes his UAB Blazers team is going to kind of interact with on Saturday night it's rarely been like this I thought what Dilfer said was so much fun to consider really really cool an amazing compliment to Georgia fans and kind of a fun way to begin today's show this is what Trent Dilfer said this week
2: I've never played anything like this. I've been to one SEC game. My daughter's being recruited at University of Alabama, and we went to the Ole Miss Alabama game. And to this day, I think the Kentucky Derby is the coolest thing I've ever been able to go to live sports. Uh, I think it's it's better than Super Bowls. An SEC football game at night is way better atmosphere than a Super Bowl. Uh, I think it's the second coolest thing I've ever been to, as a as a spectator. So. I'm personally really excited about going in and going to an SEC game at night. It's different. I mean, their, their slogan is just means more. It's different. It's true. Doesn't that get you excited
1: about Saturday's game? And maybe Dilfer gamesmanship here. Maybe he's trying to get on George's good side, say a bunch of really nice things, and maybe George will take it easy on UAB on Saturday. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, you're not, I'm not going to try to look too deep at this. I think that Dilfer's obviously uh, a very articulate spokesman, and he says something pretty cool about the SEC experience that we all get a chance to be a part of on Saturday. I'm glad he brings it up because, honestly— I think for those of us who are lucky enough to be able to go to games like this, I think it's appropriate to look around and sort of appreciate what is happening. And I do believe that game days at Sanford Stadium have been fun my entire life. But, man, the level of enjoyment that I get out of these rare Saturdays, in which we all get a chance to congregate there between the hedges, I just think it's been taken to a higher level. And obviously the Georgia team on the field deserves a lot of credit for that. But honestly, the fans themselves deserve a lot of credit for that. And when you're around the stadium and you're looking around – I hope you get the full appreciation of just how special an environment this is, how much it kinda of transcends just the normal, mundane life, to, to be able to to be in a building that has that kind of energy and I think that was proven again on Saturday there as well it wasn't a night game but Dilfer's idea of oh my gosh there's nothing like it it rivals anything I've ever seen better than a Super Bowl which can be antiseptic and can be not all that genuine and authentic similar to like a Kentucky Derby which is sort of a a once-in-a-lifetime type deal that's what Dilfer says these SEC night games can kind of be and what we saw on Saturday even though it wasn't a night game and even though it was in the rain the Georgia fans proved capable of kind of creating that sort of oh my gosh you had to be there to know what it was like they proved capable of creating that atmosphere again and i love the fact that kirby's smart and y'all you gotta understand and many of you know this kirby is a no-nonsense dude right i mean he's very you know nuts and bolts meat and potatoes whatever like you know i guess analogy you want to use this is a guy who's super serious about football but he also recognizes that the vibe around the game contributes to what happens during the game and on the field while the game is being played. And Kirby, when he talks about the Georgia fans, I hope you guys appreciate this. This is not the lip service thing of "oh, I just want to thank the fans, guys. You guys are great. Thanks a lot." Like, there's a way to do that that doesn't really mean very much. There's a way to do that that doesn't really, you know, uh, you know, you know, seem all that authentic. But that's not what kirby says y'all and so with trent dilfer saying what he said about how incredible he expects the atmosphere to be on saturday i think it's appropriate for us here midway through the week before we look fully ahead what's going to happen this saturday to look back and say hey at a time on saturday when the game was hanging in the balance by the way more on that in a moment in terms of how georgia responded when everything was on the line on saturday But at a time this past Saturday when the game hung in the balance, when it could have tipped one or two ways and this emerging dynasty could have taken a pretty big stub of the toe or when it could have figured out what was going on and building off some adversity and marching to victory Georgia fans said, we want to be a part of this story. We want to be a part of the solution here against against South Carolina. We want to help propel our team to victory. And honestly, Kirby Smart, to his credit, after the game on Saturday, was more than happy to give true, genuine, sincere credit right where it deserved that the momentum that Georgia built in the second half of this game was propelled in part by the fans in the stadium who, as Smart said, never gave up about Georgia's chances of getting back and winning this game. So in line of what Dilfer says about what he expects to see this Saturday, let's remember what we all saw this past Saturday. This is Kirby Smart.
3: You know, the momentum in the second half was was created, number one, by the offense having a really good possession in the second half, but the, the fan, I think the fans and the feeling of that, that, that uh, momentum is a powerful thing. And the momentum of our fans in the second half of uh, sticking with us, sticking by us, and staying with us was incredible. And, and that momentum uh, turned things around for us. And uh, gave us a lot of momentum, so
1: that was good. I'm obviously a Georgia fan, but I don't get to be in the stands screaming and yelling and doing the things that fans traditionally get to do. I'm working. I'm sitting in the press box. I'm there with the rest of the coastal elites, and we're all being really, really serious and studious and following the action of the field. But I'm constantly watching what's happening in the stands because I love the environment. I love the atmosphere. I think there's something about it that's really contagious. And I think when Kirby Smart says what he's saying there he's giving you an incredible gift he's making you feel a part of it you know sports fans we've liked to sometimes use the phrase we we think about our favorite team we you know hey we got to go out there and win this game or we got to do this we got to do that kirby smart in so many words right there is giving you the freedom to consider yourself part of the team he's giving yourself the freedom to say hey when georgia accomplishes something we all play a role in that because we the fans have a chance to if we're lucky enough to be in the stadium, produce the kind of atmosphere that makes a comeback more likely, that makes, you know, building momentum a little easier to do. Kirby Smart very graciously says to all the Georgia fans you are a part of this the same way the team on the field is trying to get this done and on that same press conference going back to Saturday after Georgia pulled away and won the game against South Carolina Smart went into even more detail about exactly what fans did to make Saturday's win so possible let me let you hear Kirby Smart on this topic once again
3: it's awesome and put it really into words. I mean, I felt it. I felt us taking over the game with the momentum of the fans and it was like a steamroll, you know? And I think decisions you make as a coach, whether you're doing this, this, or this, that goes into your thought process because we got momentum. I don't want to lose momentum. So I'm not going to do something silly or stupid right here. Let's keep momentum going and and I think that becomes really important.
1: So one more small point on this and then I want to move on because we've got a lot to do here today. Do you know how infrequently Kirby Smart uses a word like awesome? Like, awesome is not a Kirby Smart word to use, right? But when he was asked about the thing the fans did to make the third quarter of that game feel so ripe for opportunity for Georgia, Kirby's like, oh, man, it's awesome. Like, that's not a Kirby Smart thing to say. And the thing that Kirby chose to call awesome after Saturday's game was not one of his players or one of his coaches or one of the things that happened within the framework of the program as we consider it. The thing that Kirby Smart called awesome after Saturday was you you, the Georgia fans, for what you did on Saturday to create the opportunity that allowed Jordan to come back and win that game. You deserve a lot of credit for that. Kirby Smart clearly gave it to you. Trent Dilfer says he expects Saturday's game to be better than the Super Bowl, the second, best, the, the second best thing, all of sports environments. That may be slightly hyperbolic, but maybe not too far off either. And on Saturday night, I expect it to be really, really cool there as well. We don't get very many chances to be between the hedges for a fun George game. Saturday night, not a great opponent, admittedly. Uh, UAB's pretty wretched right now but a great atmosphere almost certainly and i can't wait to see how georgia fans step up to the opportunity to create a really really loud and crazy atmosphere for a rare night game there in sanford stadium so that is good stuff now let me transition and talk about something completely different um i think it- sometimes perspective is important. And I think one of the things I notice having done this job for as long as I've done it is is that hey, we love college football. We talk about college football. You argue about college football. We think this, you think that. We go back and forth. That's just the nature of the beast. That's how we show our appreciation for the sport that we all love. But one of the things I kind of notice sometimes is is that the magnifying glass we all have for our favorite team in this case the Georgia Bulldogs certainly blows things up much bigger than other people have a tendency to look at this. And that's true for both the good things and the bad things. We live, as I like to say, kind of inside the bubble of dog nation. And when things are really good for Georgia, we blow that up so big. And sometimes when things are not quite so good for Georgia, we have a tendency to probably blow that up and make it also bigger than it probably actually is there as well and sometimes the perspective from kind of outside the bubble of dog nation from like so 10,000 feet or somewhere like that sometimes the clarity that's gained from zooming out a little bit is kind of an important thing to go and consider so i want to highlight something here for a moment and we've talked about this guy a pretty good bit over the course of the offseason it's reese davis and davis has been famous on this show because a lot during the offseason davis was going around making his case that mighty michigan was going to be the number one team in college football and it was not going to be georgia now you might think given the fact that georgia through three games has not exactly looked as great as its last two national championship teams at least through the first quarter of the regular season here you might think someone like reese davis would be ready to step up and say see i told you so i told you mighty michigan was better than georgia i told you georgia had its problems i was right i I told you before the season began georgia wasn't number one you might think that's what reese davis was saying right now but this week on an ESPN show, I guess it was a podcast, on an ESPN podcast, Davis has actually done a little bit of an about face that he's actually seen a lot from Georgia, Saturday's game in particular, that he actually likes. So this is important perspective here, that some of us have seen some stuff from Georgia through three games we're a little concerned about. And we think it needs to be corrected. We think it needs to be fixed. But we're zoomed in very closely because of how much we love Georgia football someone who's not zoomed in quite as close someone who has a little bit of a zoomed out perspective on georgia perhaps we should maybe consider his perspective on this because a former uga critic now sees a lot he likes with the dogs reese davis now says he's got georgia as his number one team this is interesting it's from reese davis this week take a listen to this
2: i changed my number one vote in the ap poll from florida state to georgia and You say, well, why Georgia? You had Georgia behind Michigan. Uh, Florida State won. They didn't look impressive. They were fortunate to escape against Boston College. When Georgia was challenged, Georgia shifted gears and basically said, nope, not going to happen. So when I was evaluating Sunday morning how to rank the teams, how to stack them up, who do I trust to do that? Who do I trust now to totally finish the deal? Uh, Georgia, South Carolina's, you know, a solid team, not a great team. So it's not like a big accomplishment. But they played great in the first half, and Georgia just slammed the door in the second.
1: Now, I don't play that because Reese Davis' opinion is the be-all, end-all for college football, nor do I play that because Davis is saying something so complimentary about Georgia. My purpose in playing that is, hey, a lot of us have been very zoomed in on Georgia as of late. And to be honest with you, the response to the game against South Carolina, I would say from within dog nation, has been more negative than positive. Well, here is Davis saying, actually, I see some things that I like actually georgia who i wasn't quite so sure was my number one team now i think they are and i think it's important for georgia fans to possibly consider the idea that maybe reese davis is right and that maybe some of our you know harping on you know some of the imperfections with georgia specifically on the offensive side of the ball right now you know maybe those are all issues that can be rectified as the season goes on and maybe what we actually saw from georgia is the kind of team that's perhaps poised to take that next step, working to get better, working to improve, and working to be ready for the moments that truly matter. Because it's not just Davis right now who's perhaps having a more favorable appraisal of Georgia than some Georgia fans do. In fact, some of those folks out there that don't have a dog in the fight, they don't have any kind of fan interest, we would presume, they are also looking at Georgia pretty favorably right now, too, and these are the particular college football observers that are willing to put their money where their mouth is. I thought this was inter- interesting from Circus Sports. I'm going to show you this on the screen. Circus Sports is a sports book. And when you look at, you know, betting on Georgia here right now for the game against UAB on Saturday, uh, apparently there are some big bets rolling in on Georgia right now, so much so that according to Circus Sports, that one of the biggest line movers for them has been Georgia for this week. Within the last 24 hours, we find out that the Georgia UAB line, which opened it was with Georgia, Georgia as a 37-point favorite, is now Georgia at a 42-point favorite for the game on Saturday. Now, some of that's because UAB truly is wretched. As we told you yesterday, they were down 42-3 at one point to Louisiana Lafayette last week. But also, some of this is, hey, Georgia has a 37-point favorite in a game like this. The betting public got there saying, we think Georgia's actually undervalued. So, Reese Davis, a former critic, says, actually, based on what I saw against South Carolina, I think Georgia should be number one betters who are willing to put their money where their mouth is they get financially punished if they're wrong they also look at this and say we kind of like Georgia here right now we think they're ready to break out in this game against UAB on Saturday now who knows who's right and who's wrong but I do think the perspective is important to consider that even though Georgia fans have had a little bit of a harsh evaluation at times from some of what they saw from their team against the Gamecocks, people who are a little bit less emotionally involved seem to be a little bit less harsh in terms of their overall evaluation. So what is the real Georgia? What is the true Georgia? It may be a little while before we find out, but more information can be gained from Saturday's game. My name's Brandon Adams. This is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Breda Pest Management, and we are happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. 945, we start first and 15, dognation.com, and on the Dog Nation app. After that, it's 10 a.m. across all video platforms, radio, Athens, sports radio, 960 of podcasts, however you find them. Uh, all the podcast platforms there as well, kind of the on-demand audio version of our show. It's our first platform. It's still our biggest platform on most days, and we are so thankful for those that tune in on a podcast. I've always had a special sense of pride about our podcast, folks, so thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us. We really, really appreciate that, and a special sense of pride for me as well. To tell you about our folks at Breda Pest Management. Longtime friends of ours here at Dog Nation have been with us now for a while, but they're also the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. So when you're sitting there in Sanford Stadium on Saturday night, and you look around and you see the better than a Super Bowl atmosphere that Trent Dilfer says you're going to see between the hedges. Just know that when the fans are rocking, the termites are outside looking in. They're not inside the bugs, the critters, like the flying squirrels and stuff. That's one of the things that if you ever talk to Matt Brady, I'll tell you about that. Like in Georgia, you get like you can get anyway, like flying squirrels and things like that, but not with Brada Pest Management. They keep all that stuff on the outside. That's not getting into Sanford Stadium. It's not getting into any of the athletic venues there, nor is it going to get into your home there either, because you can make the switch to Brada Pest Management and be just as well protected as all the Georgia athletic venues are. Uh, From bugs, from critters, from termites, everything else. So please find them online. It's BredaPest.com. B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com. And you can have the same pest control uh, provider that's trusted by UGA Athletics. And when you make the switch to Breda, not only do you get their unparalleled service, that kind of comes from a company that's been in business since 1975 with 125 employees, you also get more money back in your pocket instantly. Just for making that decision. It's one of the reasons why I cannot recommend Breda Pest Management strongly enough. So please find them online, bredapest.com. Once again, B-R-E-D-A, bredapest.com. Also, Matt Breda and the folks there, big parts of what we do in high school football on Friday nights. And I'm incredibly proud about that too. And by the way, Peachtree TV Friday night we get Dylan Raiola and the uh, Buford Wolves looking forward to that against the Marietta Blue Devils fun game on Peachtree TV on Friday night we can't wait to see you there for that that's going to be a good time Uh good time on our show today too uh, we talked about offensive issues for Georgia a moment ago we're going to get deep into that I'm talking about deep into that before our show is done one of the best conversations I think we've had with the former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm I, I recorded this yesterday the Fromm part of this I recorded yesterday about when Kirby Smart says we're running the same offense we've been for the last three years what specifically does that mean and some of the stuff that fans say they want to see perhaps a few more deep shots down the field how do you do that when the defense is trying to take that away from you we kind of got into that with Jake here uh, uh yesterday when we recorded this you'll hear that coming up in a moment I'm really excited for you all to hear our conversation with Jake from yesterday some of the best stuff we've had from from Jake we'll get that here coming up In just a little bit. Uh also Mike Griffith here in a moment there too. Prior to that, let's go around the doghouse. Poured today by our friends at Dr. Pepper. Now, let me get on a soapbox for one quick second. There's a lot of times, and I have a tendency to do this because I grew up a massive sports fan. You gotta understand something. When I was a child, I fell in love with sports. And so much of my sort of like sports fandom was shaped by my experiences as a child. And when you have this like great childhood of loving sports you have a tendency as you get older to want to be like really nostalgic about the sporting world that you grew up in and you have a tendency and perhaps some of you have experienced this too where you want to say boy it ain't like it used to be boy sports used to be so much fun and it used to be so great and things are changing and we have a tendency to sometimes think things are changing for the worse and to be honest with you sometimes things do change for the worse now never change is good sometimes things are things are changes for the worse but To get too wrapped up in, ah, things are changing and that's bad. Things are not what they used to be. To get too wrapped up in that, to assume that's always true, is a huge mistake. Because if we look around and if our eyes are open and if we really notice what's happening around us, I think we see all the time things that are actually changes for the better. Let me give you a quick example here. There are experiences now that sports fans get a chance to have that would have been unimaginable even just a few years ago, less than a you know, decade or so ago, this would have been unimaginable. For instance, I believe the SEC network is one of those things. Now, a lot of y'all know, I don't love a lot of stuff about ESPN. And I'm pretty suspicious about ESPN as a long range partner of the SEC. I'm pretty worried about that. I think I think the, S, the ESPN folks, I think they got some real problems right now and their ability to be a long range partner for the SEC, I'm not quite so sure about. But when we look at the impact that the SEC network, which is owned by ESPN, When we look at the SEC network and its impact on SEC sports, to me, it has been undeniably positive. We get more access to sports other than football than we ever got before. That's a really cool thing. But we also, from time to time, get windows into football games that we would never get if not for the SEC network. For instance, I know a lot of you have been reacting to what the SEC network has been showing over the course of the last couple of days. I guess it's from a TV show, but most of us are kind of seeing this on social media, of kind of behind the scenes with Georgia's winning in South Carolina now when I post the show I'll put the link up so you can see the video of this I'm not going to play the video here right now because it's not my video but I do want to play just a tiny clip of the audio of halftime Georgia they're losing to South Carolina 14 to 3 You've got, you know, Javon Bullard, he steps up and speaks. Cedric Von Prong-Granger, he steps up and speaks. Jamon Dumas-Johnson's challenging the team. And then Kirby Smart steps up and speaks too. And the thing that a lot of folks are going to find fascinating about the Kirby Smart speech at halftime is, especially if you're watching the game, you're like, Kirby's going to lay into these guys at halftime and George is going to come out kicking the door down of the uh, locker room to get back on the field and they're going to rip South Carolina's head off. But that's not what Kirby Smart did at halftime of the game on Saturday. And we wouldn't know about this If it wasn't for the SEC network, a really cool thing that sports fans here in 2023 get a chance to enjoy. Let me give you a couple of seconds here of smart from halftime on Saturday, perhaps a little bit different version of Kirby than you would have expected to see. This is halftime from South Carolina.
3: This is what we train for. This is what we work for. This is who we are. We sat right here and we had, we had an identity game against Missouri on the road. You know what? It was very similar to this. It was very similar to this. It was sloppy. It was nasty. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. And then we came out and we found a way. We always said it would not be pretty. Here's the goal for the second half. We're going to get about six possessions on offense. Six possessions. Y'all got me? Including the first one. We're going to score on four of them. Okay? They might score once more on defense, but that's it. You understand? And we're going to win the game. We're going to come back in here and have a good time and figure out how we can get better if this is what i need this is what i need anybody listening uh, 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 we need one moment at a time
1: so the video actually gets better i'm only playing a short clip the get it, the video actually gets better from there i just want to give you a brief taste of this and like how incredible is that right like i could sit there and listen to a great motivational speech from a coach with that music underneath i could do that for hours i could do that for hours and just like as you're working out or you're going through your day i mean like, i just sort of get you fired up but that's not kirby peeling paint off the walls That's not Kirby saying I want you to eat or that's not Kirby, you know, saying some of the stuff that he said at the halftime of Florida, you know, a couple of years ago. This is not expletive field. This is not, you know, this is not the most intense version of Kirby Smart. And I think that's a very interesting choice that Smart makes there. Now, we've also got some sort of, I guess, rumor mill stuff as it relates to some of this. I'm going to show you this tweet on the screen. It comes from a guy who works for a i guess you call like an nil type outlet known as the players lounge his name is jc shelton so shelton relays this on twitter which i still call it some of y'all call it x uh kirby smart told georgia running back jacob hardy that's a walk-on uh why he didn't tear into the players at halftime versus south carolina here's the quote from hardy about what kirby told him um he says oh i was about to tear y'all up but right before I walked in, a sports psychologist for us walked up to me and said, don't get on them. Y'all got this. Just go and uh, play it play by play. So that's what J.C. Shelton, who works for the Players' Lounge, said Jacob Hardy, a, a walk-on running back, said that Kirby Smart told him. So that's like three layers of hearsay, if you get my point, in terms of all of this. Now, it's worth pointing out our next guest, Mike Griffith, asked Kirby Smart about that on Tuesday night, last night. Smart kind of denied, or or at least did not smart did not seem to know what he was talking about there on that so apparently kirby smart disputes the the idea that a sports psychologist convinced him not to do what jacob hardy said that he did so smart's recollection of that's perhaps a little bit different but last night smart did talk about the kind of different halftime message than some people sort of thought that it would be and once again this is really interesting smart's idea about not screaming at him not giving him the i want you to eat style version of kirby smart uh, which we've heard in years past but a little bit more measured calm take on this this is smart's explanation for why he did it that way and this is from last night i have
3: varying messages at halftime i mean it just depends on How we're playing, what's going on, if we're playing with emotion, not playing with emotion. I mean, there's a lot of decisions to go into how you approach it. Um, At that time, I don't know what good getting on what going to do.
1: So I have no idea if a sports psychologist told him that or not. If Smart came up with that on his own, I probably don't even really care all that much. It seems like it was the right choice, though, right? Especially if you watch the full context of the video. What Smart said in the, you know, take it moment by moment and, you know, win play by play, whatever it was that uh, that Smart chose to say, it seems like it was the right choice. And the idea of a coach, and admittedly, I do think we just completely overrate the role that motivation plays in terms of how games are won and lost. I think coaches are very comfortable having that conversation, and I don't oftentimes think it reflects the actual truth of what's happening on a football field. So I do think motivation is slightly overrated. But just because it's overrated doesn't mean that it doesn't matter at all and it clearly is a factor in how games are decided especially when you have to dig deep and find something in you that you don't know that you have when you're losing a game the feeling around a game that you're losing is totally different You've got to completely find something new about yourself in a situation like that. So Smart says, hey, I vary my message. Sometimes maybe it is appropriate to get on you and yell at you and get you fired up. Other times it may be appropriate to kind of calm you down and get you ready to kind of emotionally go out there and relax and do what needs to be done on a per play basis. Either way, Smart seems to be very good at kind of knowing what works in specific moments. And obviously Saturday it worked out really well for Georgia and a huge credit to the SEC Network For the great job they did of kind of laying out that full story for us to all see. It's about as fascinating as anything you're gonna get a chance to experience. And the kind of cool access that we sometimes get now that we years ago did not used to get. That is around the doghouse. And it's poured today by our friends at Dr. Pepper. And of course, college football being back, and we're in the midst of the season right now. Y'all know how much we love that. And you know how much I love Dr. Pepper there as well. I'm so proud of the fact that my favorite soft drink is such a big part of college football. I don't think there's any organization company more connected to college football than our friends at dr pepper are so when you're getting ready to enjoy game day this upcoming weekend stop by your local kroger wherever you shop for your groceries and get your own case your own hookup with dr pepper dr pepper zero sugar the brand new dr pepper strawberries and cream whatever option you want get ready for that to enjoy on game day because it's rich it's flavorful It truly is, as we say around here, the one fans deserve. So make sure you try yourself some Dr. Pepper here for game day here this weekend. It's great to have Dr. Pepper as a part of Around the Doghouse here today. Now, before we are done on today's show, I told you this. We have probably the most interesting conversation today, perhaps anyway, that we've had with Jake Fromm. that's coming up. Jake getting really into some of the offensive issues for Georgia, the concerns, what's real, what's not, what matters, what doesn't from the perspective of someone who's been in that role. And Jake will also give us some really candid insight on what it's like to be. Under the microscope, the way that we have a tendency to put you know, quarterbacks and coaches and things like that, Jake will give us some very candid stuff on that here coming up in just a little bit there as well. Also, there are some fascinating rumors out there as it relates to the Alabama quarterback situation. This thing is not slowing down anytime soon. The Alabama Ole Miss game on Saturday, fascinating for a number of reasons. We're going to get more on that before we're done today there as well. But for now the latest on everything as it relates to georgia battling through a lot of injuries looking forward to reshuffle the offensive line and get ready to go back to work here this saturday let's cover all of that with mike griffith it is a georgia farm bureau insider update getting a report from georgia practices and its preparation for uab here on dog nation daily today Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider so as a comeback win for Georgia against South Carolina now moving on to UAB Mike Griffith talks about that with us here in our Georgia Farm Bureau insider update so Mike before you join us we kind of um, went through the sort of fascinating process of what happened for Georgia at halftime on Saturday incredible video from the SEC network which I think all fans enjoy A little bit of, I don't want to say dispute, but perhaps a different recollection of kind of what led to that speech based on what uh, a Georgia walk-on player named Jacob Hardy said and Kirby Smart, who last night interacted with you on this, seemed to remember things a a slightly different way. (laughs) Whatever the story is, kind of how all that comes together, it's really pretty fascinating. And I guess the choice to sometimes you want to just be at your, you know, highest fever pitch halftime of florida and back in 2021 an example of that on saturday a little bit more calm and measured it is interesting to see which club kirby chooses to pull out of the bag in different situations like that and you know i, I don't know I, I just find the access to the locker room stuff really uh pretty fun to see what do you think we learned from georgia with the way that it did respond after it got down on saturday
0: well, I mean, obviously, this coaching staff is crackerjack. I mean, they made some fantastic. We learned a couple things. Number one, we learned Shane Beamer is a hell of a coach. I mean, they came in here, and I don't know about you, Brandon, but I was I was stunned. You know, give Beamer credit. Uh, Spencer Rattler might be the best quarterback in the league. You, you put him by, you put him behind the Alabama, put him on Alabama, put him on Georgia. This guy's unbelievable. I mean, this kid made some throws. I was like, wow. We didn't see it last year against Georgia. We saw him beat Clemson. We saw him beat Tennessee. And doggone, those Gamecocks came in like they were going to beat Georgia. I was stunned. Um, but, of course, Georgia's got a Cracker Jack coaching staff, uh, incredible adjustments um, on offense and defense. You know, and as Kirby pointed out, you know, and Kirby's like, guys, we had drives of 14-11 and 11 plays. We only got three points. That's pretty hard to do. It's pretty hard to do, but you miss a field goal, a 28-yard field goal. You bog down in the red zone a little bit. Um, You know, in Kirby's mind, the game wasn't as lopsided as maybe it felt or it wasn't as dire as maybe we felt it was. Um, You know, but that team had to focus and regroup and, and come from behind, and it probably wasn't the worst thing in the world. I think that, you know, you grow from those adverse situations and when you go through battles together and, you know you go through talk I mean I think about you and I working together think about some of those late nights that we've worked together sure. on road trips and games and projects that we've had to do together and you do enough of them together and you got confidence you know like this riverboat cruise I don't know what the hell's going to happen on the Tennessee River Brandon but I got confidence we're going to find a way to <laughs> get that boat back to shore and be at the game because of everything we've been through right because we've got that experience well now this team has got some experience together and I think it can be a galvanizing experience in the long run.
1: No, I think that's an interesting way to say that. obviously, Kirby made reference to the Missouri game that would have been the version of that from a year ago. And I think the only point that I've made this week and tried to make this week about the South Carolina game, Mike, is, is I'm not all that interested in kind of like the why of what's going on with the Georgia offense right now in terms of well, it's this guy's fault or if it's this thing's <laughs> fault, you know, you know, lack of possessions, whatever else. i'm not I'm not necessarily all that willing to diagnose like why something is true. I just simply want to point out the what here, which is moving forward. You know, Georgia needs more explosive plays. They need more of kind of those big home run type things that were the hallmark of this offense the last couple of years, because when you have possessions, you want to make the most out of them. And it's the explosive plays that in the last couple of years, you know, national championship level offenses that have allowed Georgia to do that. And when you look for improvement from Georgia the rest of the season, which I fully believe that we will see I believe that Georgia will play much better games than it did on Saturday as that improvement comes I believe the place that needs to come is through the explosiveness on offense now Georgia measures this a slightly different way than I do but just baseline simple I think of that as like 20 yard or plus plays those big kind of home run type things when you're picking up those 20 plus yard chunks I believe that Georgia just needs more of those no one last year in America had more than Georgia did and getting at least you know, kind of back on track with some of that. I believe that's one of the specific ways that I want to measure growth with this team as the season progresses.
0: Well, I think Stetson Bennett provided a preview and some insight for us at the championship celebration, and when he said that it's the X's and the O's, and not the Jimmy. Or excuse me, when he said it was the Jimmies and the Joes, and not the X's and the O's. You know, we'd all lauded Todd Munkin as a genius. Well, those X's and O's that he pulled had been around for a long time, and he'd coached many other places without the same sort of. And I would tell you that's the difference in the offense right now. It's the players, not the plays. You know, Lad McConkey's not out there. Okay, Kenny McIntosh is in the NFL. Darnell Washington is in the NFL. Uh, Stetson Bennett, uh, you know, is with the Rams in their organization, the guy that can extend plays and do some things in the Red zone. It's different players. You don't have a first round left tackle anymore protecting the blind side. You've got a third time starter that we saw, not a third year starter. And an injured Brock Bowers looks a lot more like Clark Kent than Superman these days, dealing with this groin. You get Brock Bowers seven catches last year, Brandon. He'd have about 154 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, you know, this year seven catches, 54 yards. Dom Lovett seven catches, 56 yards. They're not killing people on the. They're not breaking the tackles. They're not running away from anybody. They're not getting no. Arian Smith four years in the program. He what are you, one catch for five yards. I mean, I get it. Ra Ra Thomas is new, but. You know, Aaron has been in the program four years, you know, so the, this development that we hear about, um, it's the players. you got to have better De'John Edwards. He's a nice player. Don't think he's going to be on your fantasy football team anytime soon. He's not James Cook, you know. He's not De'Andre Swift. Um, you know, he's, he's a decent runner, but he's not. A, Dylan Bell's been a wonderful surprise. My goodness, give him the ball 12 or 15. I love that guy. But it's the players. It's, it's the players. It's not the plays. Like Kirby said, it's the same plays that are being called, but the players aren't executing with, the, with a certain level of expertise. You know, Oscar Delp's come a long way, but he ain't blocking like Darnell Washington did, I can tell you that. So, you know, these guys have to grow. They get experience. And as Bobo goes, you know, working under what Kirby tells him, because Kirby controls run-pass ratio, personnel, you kind of figure things out and say, all right, let's evolve. Who are we? How is Georgia going to do it? And, and let's, let's think this, too. You know, Stetson had the benefit. If he had two or three series where he crapped out, that defense was forcing three and outs, too. He's back on the field in a minute. This defense isn't doing that. I mean, they're good, but they're not as dominant as they've been. So it's it's going to be a little bit more of a grind. It's going to be a little bit more hard work. I think you got one more blowout, one more scrimmage here to work some things in, and it's going to be a battle at Auburn. And it's going to be tough against Kentucky. You can you get a vacation there with Bandy in a bye week? You beat the Gators up pretty good. And then it comes to the final exam in November.
1: Uh, one of the things that has been talked about a lot this week, and rightly so, is the really, really growing injury list for Georgia right now. And a lot of these are you know names that matter. Marius Mims, a... Uh, a very important player in this Georgia team, lingering issues when it comes to running backs. Javon Bullard sounds like, you know, he's still, uh, you know, a little bit of a ways to go here. And in, in the case of Ladd McConkie, boy, that really does seem like that's going to be a lingering thing here right now. Um, I think this is the kind of thing that, you know, obviously Georgia's not going to use this as, as an excuse, but it is an issue. It's an issue to be dealt with here right now, and there's a lot of shufflings of the deck going on, it seems like, right now that that you can't deny the impact of the injury report seemingly is having on Georgia here at the moment.
0: No doubt. And shuffling the deck, Brandon, I, you scared, you're going down a road with a reference there I didn't like. But the, the, shuffling, the shuffling of the deck uh, is, is, listen, the Kendall Milton injury is huge. You know, we, we all thought that Kendall, I, I, I shouldn't speak for everyone, I thought that Kendall was going to have a thousand, you know, this was going to be a guy, this was going to be his breakout year. You know, we've been waiting. This was going to be it. He was going to be healthy. Things were going to work out. This was going to be a bell cow. Uh, This was going to be a guy that was going to do huge, you know, and he goes down. Oh, my goodness. Well, Branson Robinson's a guy we saw emerge at the end of last year, and we thought, well, he'll be, okay, well, now he's not there. You know, and then we had hopes. We'd heard in fall camp that Andrew Paul was coming along, and we all were impressed with him. And, well, now he's not there either. So you're really left with Dejon Edwards, Dylan Bell, and Cash Jones. And their storylines, you know are great, but and, you know, if you're going to line him up and pick in the backyard, I, I'm not sure how those guys would rank among some of the best running backs in the nation, right? So that's a problem. And then the ladd McConkey is just like you said, that's huge. You know, Lad is super explosive. Um, first team all CC pick with good reason, good to see. Uh, but I, he's he's really the straw that stirs the drink. I mean, you get a guy like that that can take the top off, and defenses have to worry about him. And that just opens everything up underneath for everyone else. So, you know, you, you hate to say it, but you look out there and you say, man, Donnie Mitchell, sure would be nice to still have him. Maybe even Jermaine Burton. Some people might argue that, but Jermaine's leading Bama. Um, and you measure them against your transfers. And I think Lovett's coming along. Maybe not quite as explosive as I thought he would be, but some of that has to do with his usage. And, uh, you know, we're starting to see some things out of Ra Ra, but, you know, you need to. I mean, he was Mississippi State's leading receiver, so I think there's still room for growth. I think Georgia will get better as the year goes on. That's one thing Kirby's teams always do. But in trying to understand what's happened, I think it comes down to some of those really key players like Kendall Milton, like Lad McConkie, being out right now.
1: It's our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update with Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, and of course... When it comes to your auto coverage, your home coverage, maybe perhaps life insurance, you want more than just an insurance policy. You want the people that you're working with to kind of understand about your life. Well, there's no better way to have the understanding of the things that you need specific for your life than people who are living life much like you are right here in the state of Georgia. We always say when it comes to Georgia Farm Bureau that they're always the home team. What we mean when we say that is, is their agents, their volunteers, you know, the members, they're right here in the state of Georgia doing doing life just like you are here in our great state. They love college football the same way we do. They also love providing you great service when it comes to your auto insurance, your home insurance, uh, things of that nature. So I want you to check them out online. It's gfbinsurance.com, gfbinsurance.com. When you want to do business with an insurance company that knows that you want more than just an insurance policy, our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau are the place to turn for that. Always the home team. Find them online, gfbinsurance.com for a lot more on that. That is gfbinsurance.com. Mike, I want to finish with this here today. I think for me, one of the biggest challenges that Georgia's currently facing here, and it's been talked about, but I think it needs to be talked about more, is what's happening along the offensive line, both in terms of the fact that Amarius Mims is injured, but also from the standpoint that... I don't know this offensive line yet has been quite as dominant as I expected it to be. I thought this was going to be one of Georgia's best strengths thus far this season. That probably up till now hasn't necessarily been the case here. So I'm curious for you, with Mim's sideline now for at least a few weeks, you know, I- How would you advise Georgia in terms of is it Blasky or Truss at tackle? Is it, uh, you know, Dylan Fairchild getting a longer look here at the guard spot? As Georgia's kind of moving some pieces around here to try to figure out who its best five is with the five guys they have healthy right now, how would you advise Georgia to do that?
0: It depends on the matchup, you know, and it, you know, really does. Obviously, this week we're going to get to see a few different lineups up front, and they're going to get to experiment, and as Kirby said, see what the five best are um I, I i i'm not i'm just not sure you know where this georgia offense is going to end up and so much of it and, and that sounds like a cop-out brandon but i want to see what happens when matt mcconkey comes back I, look you, you take any you take any great receiver out of any offense at any level you take a, a go-to guy right you know um take christian mccaffrey away from the 49ers or or my good. Well, we've seen the difference in what it, you know, Brock Bowers, you know, maybe you know being a little bit more banged up looks like compared to when he's healthy. It changes the dynamic of a team when a guy goes out that's that special. And if, George, but if George is going to have to, you know, run the football, I was impressed with Dylan Fairchild at guard and and Xavier Truss. I heard a lot of people say that uh, they thought that the run game really kind of kicked in a little bit. But when it comes to pass protection. Um, You know, Mims was really good there. And and I don't know, maybe Blasky's the answer and trust back inside. So it kind of depends on, you know, what the identity is and what's tricky about Georgia. Um, It's kind of a luxury. It's a good problem to have is that the offense changes from week to week. They're kind of a chameleon. You know, they kind of decide this is the way Kirby wants it, right, because he knows it's really hard for defenses to get dialed in. You know, Trent Dilper was talking about that. It's like playing in the NFL. You know, every week you're, you know, you're playing a team that, that could have a lot of different personalities because of the personnel and the level of expertise and, and coaching. And what is Georgia this year? Are, are, you, you know, good question for you. Is this a passing team or is this a running team? Um, Kirby will tell you those short passes are mimicking a, a run, but it's not the downhill game we're used to. So I, I think Georgia's identity continues to evolve. What are they really good at? Um, You know, right now they're still trying to do what the other team's bad at. How are they going to match up at Auburn? What's Kirby going to do there on the road, hostile environment? Uh, To me, that's going to be a fascinating scene to see how Carson Beck handles that. And one other thought I'll leave you with, Brandon. You know, with the inability to run the ball in a conventional manner, does this make you want a quarterback that runs it a little bit more? Could we see Carson Beck do a little bit more of that? And if you're Kirby Smart, how much work do you give Brock Vandegriff and Gunner Stockton just in case? Do you bring those guys in uh, in the third quarter like you did in the first game? Because it kind of brought them in a little later against Ball State. So I, I don't know. I, my, my ears are perked up and my eyes are wide open. It's still an undefeated number one-ranked team, and everything's there for you. Um, but seeing Georgia down 14-3 at halftime was, I got to admit, it was a little sobering. It was a little bit of a reminder just how tough this league can be. And if you're just a little bit off, you know, missed field goal or red zone issue, next thing you know, uh, you're down quick in this league.
1: Mike, good stuff. We appreciate you being here as part of a Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update. We'll look forward to reading more from you at dognation.com. And I'll see you in Athens on Saturday.
0: Look forward to it. Thanks, Brandon.
1: Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, so we're going to have Jake Fromm here coming up in a minute. We'll get more into some of the stuff that's going on with Georgia. Really good insight from Jake on that here coming up in just a couple of minutes. Prior to that, though, let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And boy, one of the things I'm excited about is that dog nation cruise coming up in april of 2024 going to be on board allure of the seas it's an oasis class ship so what that means is our dog nation cruise this year going to be bigger and better than it's ever been before not only do we have more specially themed dog nation events but also it's the entertainment and the special dining and all the cool bars and lounges that a larger cruise ship like the allure of the seas gives us a chance to provide what about the aqua theater on the back of the ship that means you're watching the high diving show and stuff like that which you're amazed to even know can take place at or the very special neighborhoods like the central park to go along with the royal promenade and the the boardwalk area which is like being coney island it's like when you're doing all this stuff you almost forget you're at sea uh because the ship is so big it's got so many various options it's one of the reasons why we want you there jessica slater is a great travel agent she's got a website for you RoyalDogs.com. you can go to it and you can be a part of our Dog Nation cruise. And then Jessica can also tell you about the really cool stuff as it relates to the port we're sailing out of Port Canaveral and another Oasis-class ship. In fact, the newest Oasis-class ship, Utopia of the Seeds, which debuts in July of 2024. And this is the thing I'm so excited about because I love the commitment that Royal Caribbean is making for fun, family-oriented vacations that are kind of like the the three-the-four-night deal going out of Port Canaveral. For those of us here in the Atlanta area, that's the most convenient port to get to. And you know, putting the nicest, newest Oasis class ship in Port Canaveral for the three and the four night sailings, is just a really cool thing. And starting in July, that's what's going to be going down. So Jessica can tell you all about that. Call her 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Or email her jslaterdreamvacations.com for more on that. All right, let's talk here a little bit about some of the stuff happening around the SEC. And this is the portion of the show where I probably am going to be just a little bit of a hypocrite because like one of the things that I try to be careful about is. Is I don't run with every Georgia rumor that's out there because you know we thankfully have built a little bit of a platform here. We got a you know good sized audience each and every day. You can't just go out there and just sort of run with every nonsense thing that happens because you know that, that hurts you in the long run to do that. You got to be pretty careful. So while I'm pretty careful about which Georgia rumors I do run with and don't run with, you got to be a little bit judicious about that. I'm generally pretty willing to kind of just. Throw whatever out there when it relates some other some other SEC team. Not not quite the same vetting process for a rumor involving other SEC teams as we perhaps have for Georgia. Admittedly, that's hypocritical, but you know what? We're also human beings, and that's just kind of the way that it goes. And let me tell you this: there is some fascinating stuff going on around the Alabama program here right now, and. I would say that thus far, the most interesting team on the field this season has been Colorado. The uh, TV ratings prove they had more than 9 million people tune in for a very late game against Colorado State this past Saturday. It's been fascinating. But for all the interesting Colorado on the field, the most interesting team in America right now off the field is the Alabama Crimson Tide. And a lot of this relates to quarterback stuff. I've heard some more chatter since I told you yesterday that, you know, there were reports of the so-called Alabama players-only meeting. And I said, oftentimes it sort of seems like players-only meetings, possible divisions within a team. Sometimes that can be various factions lining up behind various quarterbacks. And it seems like on Saturday that may have been true for Alabama. A lot of the Alabama players, rumor mill would have you believe, were not very happy about playing with Tyler Buckner as the starting quarterback. And perhaps, Milrow not being in the game this past saturday the very odd unorthodox decision to bench him after the texas game maybe some of that was related to his practice behavior um upon you know uh sharing some time because obviously alabama saw Milrow really struggle against texas and you know perhaps wanted to see do we have the right quarterback uh, milro perhaps did not respond super well to that rumor mill would have you believe and you know you know perhaps that kind of soured nick saban on milro here but the other quarterbacks play poorly and so now it seems like there really is a a possible chance here that everybody else kind of is back on the same page again players want to play with milro uh perhaps nick saban now seems to fully understand that milro is the best option they have but we also know based on the way that he played against texas and frankly based on the way that he's always played Jalen milro is just a very limited player uh there's only so much you're able to do with milro but you have some fascinating quarterbacking rumors kind of taking place around the Alabama program. By the way, some of the Lane Kiffin stuff from this week is not dying down very much either, especially when you consider, okay, well, you know, Kiffin was kind of making all these outlandish claims about who's actually running the Alabama defense, keeping in mind that his defensive coordinator is Pete Golding, the guy who was the Alabama DC a year ago. So, uh, a lot of back chatter amongst coaches, I guess, and maybe some axe to grind when it comes to Golding and his former uh, you know, boss, Nick Saban. That's pretty interesting, too. I will give you our official thoughts as the week goes on. I kind of like Alabama to bounce back this week. I do. I think Alabama is a pretty limited team, but I also think that Lane Kiffin's a clown. And I think doing as much talking prior to this game as Kiffin has done is, this is the act of an unserious person. And if Kiffin was serious about actually trying to win this game or even keep it close in Tuscaloosa, he'd be nose to the grindstone. His head would be down and that's not where Kiffin is. So I think that gives you an idea that his best chance to kind of stir the pot and talk trash is before the game, not after the game. That would lead me to believe that Kiffin already knows he's likely to lose. And so therefore he's just stirring it up prior to the game to get the attention that he seems to so desperately crave. But on the Alabama part of this, while Alabama is not great, they're also not going to completely fall apart yet, I don't believe. Uh, it seems like they probably do have a little bit of a vibe refresh with Milro back in there. The the quarterback, the players clearly seem to want to play for. My early expectation is we'll get more into this as the week goes on. My early expectation is a little bit of a bounce back this week from an Alabama team that legitimately has some problems. Uh, but perhaps not so many problems they can't handle Ole Miss on Saturday I mentioned Dion in Colorado a moment ago uh, perhaps you've seen this so Deion Sanders at a press conference this week stepped up to defend the Colorado State player that took what is probably a little bit of a dirty hit on uh, Travis Hunter Hunter the tremendous player for Colorado State obviously went to Collins Hill going to be out a few weeks here the player that hit Hunter and I apologize for not remembering his name, but the player that hit hit Hunter has been getting like some death threats and things like that. Uh, allegedly, uh, Deion Sanders stepped up to say, "Hey, he shouldn't be treated that way. We forgive him. Travis forgives him. We're kind of moving on." Essentially, using Deion's fame and and um, and attention as a little bit of a block and a little bit of a shield against the Colorado State player. I think that's a really classy gesture by Deion Sanders. And look when you're getting as much attention as Colorado is getting 9 million people watching a game with Colorado State that's an unforeseeable number uh in terms of national attention on Dion here right now it's important to note that nothing ever goes viral without a certain degree of controversy things that everybody agrees upon they don't go viral right it's like think about like say Kyle Whittingham for a moment Whittingham's the Utah coach put a hundred college football fans in a room almost everybody has the same opinion of a guy like Kyle Whittingham he's a really good coach gets a lot out of his talent but not quite good enough recruiter to really be an elite level coach like a hundred people pretty much everybody thinks the same thing about Kyle Whittingham therefore no take about Whittingham ever goes viral nothing involving Whittingham ever goes viral he is a coach that everybody agrees on there are some coaches that just sort of they are what they are and there's very little controversy around them and so therefore they never go viral in Dion's case, he's gone incredibly viral. Huge ratings for ESPN's College Game Day. The Rock was there. A big ratings for a very late night game. And nothing ever goes viral without um, a certain degree of controversy around it, right? So some people, the glitz, the glamour, the flash, that's a little too much for some people. But keep in mind, that in addition to all of that, there's also a lot of substance with Dion. Dion has a lot of, I guess I'll just call it this way, a lot of working class sensibility. Dion has a lot of sort of homespun logic that seems to make a lot of sense to a lot of people. Now he may kind of put it in a little bit of a glitzy, glamorous package, but But a lot of what Dion is selling is sort of old school coaching stuff. And that's one of the reasons why I think Dion has been as popular as he's been and gotten as much attention as he's gotten. Now, I still think the real story there is Shador Sanders more so than even Dion. But uh, Dion's popularity is explained in part because he's kind of combining two things that don't always seem to go well together, which is sort of a glitzy, glamorous, you know, gilded, uh, you know, persona with a lot of like sort of homespun logic, working class sensibilities it's a very interesting uh i guess sort of cross-section of ideas that dion seems to be putting out there right now which is one of the things i sort of find pretty fascinating i was going to give you some more thoughts on some of the other big games coming up this weekend Uh, i'm running a little bit late though so let's go ahead and get into this because i thought it was a great conversation we'll make that cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean without further ado i want to get more into A really, really good conversation as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm. A lot on kind of where the Georgia offense is at this particular point and an evaluation of the current Georgia starting quarterback from a guy who's had that job before. You're going to like this from Jake Fromm right now here on Dog Nation Daily. And here on Dog Nation Daily, time now for a Kroger Fresh Take as we get ready to talk to the former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm here today. Uh, Jake, appreciate your time. Thanks for being on the show and I hope that you are doing well. Yeah, doing great, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Well, obviously, uh, good to have you on the program. And, you know, it's been a hot topic here the last couple of days because obviously, you know, we have a tendency to dissect everything that happens with this Georgia football team. How they played Saturday against South Carolina. A lot of chatter in particular about uh, the quarterback, Carson Beck. I'm not sure how much of the game you got a chance to see, but how did you think that Carson performed on Saturday? And how did you think the Georgia offense around him also performed?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's the uh, the tale of two halves. Uh, we were actually traveling to Denver. I got to watch the first half, uh, which wasn't so great, and we took off back and then watched the second half uh, later. But, I mean, just two completely different, uh, I mean, offenses really what it looked like. I thought the defense played really well. Um, South Carolina got off to a fast start, um, had some had a great plan, great scheme going out, and uh, they executed really well. Drive. Um, but, you know, from the offense, it's just it, it looks like they're just so close. It's just one third down that holds them short or, or one drop ball or one just missed uh, deep throw. And it's, they're so close to, to really firing on all cylinders. But at the end of the day, they're still putting up points. I mean, they're averaging a, a high 30 point points per game this season, which compares very good to what they've done the last three years under Munkin. Um, I mean, so they're they're, they're right there. I um, thought Carson played a lot better uh, in the second half. Yeah, it was raining, so they thought, they threw a lot of swing passes left and right, um, and then was very conscious about their shots they took uh, deep, which, but they, they ended up hitting a few. Um, but I, I think they're close. I, I, I'm not fretting yet, um, but we would love, I think we would all love to see yeah. them come out to a little bit of a faster start.
1: I joked about the fact that we all have a tendency to sort of dissect all this so heavily and look at it in such a magnified way. I mean, you've obviously lived in that pressure cooker here as the Georgia starting quarterback. Like how tiring does that get? And obviously you loved your time at Georgia and Georgia fans loved you, but you know how it is. I mean, it's like we make a huge deal out of all this kind of stuff. It's one of the reasons why I have a job, right? It's like everybody makes (laughs) a, a very big deal about everything that happens with Georgia football and like you know, how tough is it to live under that microscope the way that you once did, the way that Georgia players are right now?
4: Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. I mean when you're all, when you are the quarterback at the University of Georgia, all eyes are on you. Uh, everybody's waiting on you to to go and make a play and take this team to the quote unquote promised land and and win another national championship. That's the goal. That's the expectation, um, and that's now the standard that they've built um, there at at Georgia. So it's um it's tough uh there's a lot of weight on your shoulders um but i i think what they're what you kind of see them trying to do through the offensive plan is try to take a little bit off his plate um and just just let him play kind of free and easy and just let him go complete balls and and i I think they're close i I don't think carson's doing a bad job by any means but um i think the guys around him can help can help him a little bit and and make a play here and there
1: so one of the things that's been kind of a continual theme here this season is getting off to a little bit of a slow start. You mentioned the first half on Saturday against South Carolina, and it's only been three games, so perhaps this is just a coincidence, kind of a random occurrence, but slow starts have been an issue in each of the three games here thus far. Do you think there's perhaps a specific reason for that, or do you think that's maybe just something that's happened and there's no larger meaning behind all of
4: it? I think it's because – the identity of the team is still yet to be determined. They don't uh, – they're still trying to figure out who they are, what they are. You know, what do you go back and, and rely on when you have a, a short third down? You know, is it, a, is it a certain receiver? Is it a running back? Is it, hey, man, it doesn't matter. We're going to just go behind this offensive line and we're going to go get two, three yards. It doesn't matter. Um, so don't, I think the, the identity is still yet – to be determined is still up in the air and I, I I think they're just trying to figure it all out of who exactly they are as
1: an offense. So one of the things that kind of gotten some attention this week is Kirby Smart on Monday said because fans have this perception well things are different now because Todd Munkin's no longer here and Kirby said this week that Georgia is still running the exact same offense that it's been running for the last few years and for some fans you know, the question they might perhaps ask in response to that is, well, how come it seems so different? So, Jake, I'm hoping you can help us all kind of make sense of this for the fans who are trying to kind of sift through this and make sense of this here right now. When Kirby says this is the exact same offense – what maybe specifically does he mean by that and why is it that some fans would have the perception that, well, at least the results seem a little bit different right now, if not the actual operation of it seems different. Why do you think there's such a disconnect between what fans sometimes think they see and what Kirby Smart would say that he sees, especially on an issue like this?
4: Yeah. Um yeah, I wanna try to be very you know delicate, you know, saying this. I mean the the offense is there, the it's the same X's and O's. Um I mean, obviously, the the first thing you got to go is the play caller. And I don't want to put anything on, on Bobo. Sure. I love Bobo. But, I mean, you know, I, I think it's just an even more impressive of how impressive uh, Munkin was. He was he was dialing it up, man. He just, just he seemed like he had everybody's number, and it was always the perfect play call at the perfect time. Um, and then, too, I you know, just kind of felt maybe last year with Seth, and they just kind of hit a few more of these deep shots and yeah. were able to to get it, get things rolling a little bit early and kind of get the juices going, so I, I think a, a little bit of those two things, and then and then maybe not not quite as a, a dominant offensive line play um, early to, to kind of help Carson in, uh, with this running game too. So um, there's a little, little bit of everything, but I, I mean I 100 100%, 100% believe that it's the same offense. It's still the same X's and O's. Still the same plays being implemented. Uh, each and every week, but, but how you go about implementing them and then how you go about executing them too. Um, really plays a huge factor in uh, the execution part on Saturday.
1: So, Kirby was asked about Monday, something you brought up, kind of the absence of some of those, you know, shot plays, those deeper throws down the field. And one of the things that Kirby said in response to that is, well, if it's, you know, to use language that he would use, like quarters coverages or if there's a deep high safety or something like that, well, you can't just take a shot to take a shot. And obviously, as a quarterback, you know that better than anybody else. But for someone like me who's not a former player or a former quarterback, and for maybe a lot of the folks who are listening, I think we're left to wonder. Well, gosh, how do you ever take deep shots then? Or, you know, if you only take what the defense gives you, then maybe you'll only ever have what the defense wants you to have, which are the kind of sort of small bites at the apple and not the kind of big explosive plays that really move you down the field. You know, Jake, as someone who makes decisions like this on the football field all the time, how do you balance the fact that the defense is trying to take the big throw away from you from the standpoint, well, if all you do is always just check down – then you may have a drive that eventually stalls out because you need those explosive plays to really put yourself in the end zone. As a quarterback, how do you balance that?
4: Yeah, so uh, explosive plays, you know, happen because guys are, are finishing. Um, the guys around them are finishing. You get extra blockers downfield, guy breaks the tackle. Obviously, everybody knows that, you know, the, the deep throw down, down the middle of the field. But the, the other part of this is you've got to stay on schedule as an offense. You've got to stay of the down you got to be executing on first and second down you know especially first down and, and getting instead of getting three four yards you got to be getting six eight yards so you, you just you are in a better rhythm and then you're ahead of the down too to be able to go and take uh some of those shots as well so that that kind of plays a big factor in you know if, I, if i'm a play caller and i, I hey I, I just i gotta get a first down and, and right now we're not really that dominance on on first down or or whatever down it is to be able to call that shot because I don't know if I'm going to be able to execute the, the next third long we get. So that plays a big factor in it as
1: well. It's our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm, the former Georgia quarterback here on Dog Nation Daily. And of course, when you're thinking about getting ready for a game day and having the kind of money you want to spend on the tailgate items you need and the time you want to enjoy all the football that's on, one of the best ways to get more money back and more time back is with the brand new membership opportunity from our friends at Kroger. It's called Kroger Boost. And right now you can try it for free for 30 days when you go to Kroger.com slash boost. You get more money back because they're going to give you twice the fuel points when you're saving on the stuff you're. Already buying there at Kroger, and you can take advantage of free grocery delivery, things like that. A really convenient way to give yourself more money back, more time back to enjoy this football season. Try Kroger Boost right now online at Kroger.com/boost for more on that. That's Kroger.com/boost for more on that. So, Jake, in a couple of weeks, George is going to see a team that I'm presuming you've seen a pretty good bit already this season. It's your brother's team, the Auburn Tigers, and it's on the road and. It seems like a lot of this right now, even the South Carolina game on Saturday, is a little bit of a, I don't want to say dress rehearsal because it's more serious than that, but it's certainly a tune-up to get ready for a big step up in play when you go into a hostile environment and you face a tough SEC rivalry-type game like that. Like, How much do you kind of view what's going to happen on Saturday against UAB as sort of the final step in all of that? And based on what you've seen from Auburn, how challenging do you think that road game can be two Saturdays from now?
4: I mean, I, I think it can definitely be a big challenge for them. Cause if they start slow again on the road, uh, I mean, you don't have that extra environment factor to, to help get you back on rhythm and back on schedule. Um, so that, that could definitely be a, uh, a tough test and, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch the, the nonverbal communication going on the road, being able to communicate, um, you know, e- either in, in the loud circumstances or be able to use signals, all, all the different things. So be firing on all cylinders as an offense. And, um, Man, I just, you know, I'm just, just hoping for a fast start.
1: And before we let you go, I definitely want to bring up your former teammate. Obviously, Monday night, I'm sure you maybe had a chance to see this on Monday night football, the horrible injury yeah. that uh, Nick Chubb suffered. Uh, you were kind of... I guess before you got to Georgia, him coming back in 2016, but we know he's been through tough injury circumstances before. How much does your heart, as just a football player but also a former teammate, how much does your heart go out to a guy like Nick, who everybody seems to love and obviously inspiring to so many of us because of the way that he plays the game, now forced to have to go through another very, very serious injury recovery?
4: Man, hate it. Uh, My wife and I were were watching the game last night and, and saw it live, but Man, just just hate it for Nick. Nick Nick's such a, a great dude, uh, the ultimate competitor. Uh, man, a few words, but, man, on a, on a football field, he just, he just grinds it out. One of the best running backs, one of the best people, one of the best teammates I've ever been around. So, man, wish him all the best, praying for him, and, um, man, ho- hopefully to see him back out there soon.
1: That's well said, Jake. I'm glad you uh, uh, said that, and I appreciate your time here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take. Enjoy your week. We'll look forward to getting a chance to talk to you back here on Dog Nation Daily again very soon as well
4: yes sir sounds good thank
1: you Brian. so glad to have jake from saying those words about nick chubb and we continue our uh sincere prayers for him in his recovery so happy to hear what i guess is kind of a positive prognosis i know kirby smart talked about it a little bit last night that his belief that nick will be back better than ever obviously it was a horrific scene on monday night football but if there's anybody who's got the toughness and the fortitude to kind of fight through something like that it's a guy like nick chubb who we've seen do that before but no doubt dog nation really rooting for nick chubb as he goes through all of that nice to hear jake Fromm say what he said there let me also give a quick shout out to my friends at the finish long drink the brand new peach flavored version of the finish long drink for a limited time right here in the peach steak, the peach flavored version of the finished long drink ready to drink cocktail right there in a can you love that because if you like mixed drinks it's a mixed drink you don't have to mix yourself it sort of looks like a beer because it's in a can but it's not it's a wonderful new category of beverage and you can try the peach flavor version that's the hot thing right now but the originals are also still uh, doing some big things there too the long drink cranberry long drink strong eight percent alcohol by volume I hear from a lot of you how much you love that long drink zero no carbs no sugar long drink traditional blue can grapefruit flavor uh, uh, gin kick you love all of that so find it online at the longdrink.com and find out where you can pick up some of the brand new peach flavored version of the finished long drink there today couple of golden shoes to give you on the way out the door here we'll throw the first one up and uh it's a a good one to share with you so uh just smitty sent this to me he says look what you can see in the suites here in San Francisco." i noticed in the fourth quarter today so on the left you see a view from smitty's seats but when you zoom in there closely one of those nice luxury suites has got the uh neon sign that says hbtfd kind of a play on one of the famous phrases from kirby smart and if you know you know there i guess on that so smitty spotted that sent that to us nice to see a little personal touch inside one of those very nice luxury suites that the a better half among us get a chance to enjoy uh so that's kind of a cool thing to see just Smitty, appreciate you sharing that and another golden shoe to give out there as well uh max uh sends this to us on twitter he says this is how we celebrate a uga win here in the pacific northwest How about that? Uh, Is that salmon? Is that what that is? A couple of good-looking fish there being caught. So a good time by uh, Max there celebrating a fun Georgia win. We'll give a golden shoe out for that too for a pretty good haul there out catching some fish. That's pretty good stuff to see there as well. Lousy stinking gators. They are going to be on the hook come 38 days from right now. That is our gator hater countdown. We will see all of you back tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pest Management.